this morning, I want to take just a few moments and continue our read through the New Testament that we've been doing. And if you're visiting or haven't been here, we are on a journey of reading five chapters a week to move us through the New Testament. And our readings this week bring us to the book of Philemon. Now, if you haven't joined us on this journey, I'm going to tell you now is that time because you're already a fifth of the way done with the readings. Our, our uh, New Testament reading was actually the whole book of Philemon. It's only one page. It's actually, in my, if I look at the headers, it's a little less than a page in my Bible. And the book of Philemon is not one that we hear a whole lot about. It's kind of uh, one that makes us scratch our head a little bit. And so we struggle with it for a number of different reasons, but here are just a few. Number one, uh, we kind of ask, why, why is this small book in the Bible, right? Well, in the year 393, there was a council in Hippo, and they, uh, uh, there's church leaders that got together and said, okay, here, here are the books that we're going to say are in the Christian Bible. Now, there, there is, uh, there's text, and there's background, and there's history, and it wasn't just a bunch of guys in a room that said, oh, this sounds like a good idea. Let's do this. It was actually a really thought-out process that they came up, and so it, it made that cut. And then the other thing that's a little bit different is it's a very personal letter. In all of Paul's other writings, they're kind of to the church. We just kind of looked at 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, and although those are addressed to Timothy, he talks about the church at large and, and leaders that should be in the church and things like this. Here we see Paul addressing a very specific topic to a very specific person. That brings me to the third thing that we struggle with. That topic has to do with slavery. Now, I'm going to come right out and say human trafficking in any form is wrong and illegal and oppressive, and it has no place, right? And if you want to be hands and feet in a ministry that works with people who have been human trafficked or looking at human trafficking, let me know. I have some resources that I can plug you into. What is happening in the book of Philemon is actually kind of a culturally accepted norm of the first century. And so they had a system where they had a way that you could kind of sign your rights away and become a servant of a household, a bond servant. You were bonded in. And as we read through the New Testament, that's kind of the slavery that they're talking about, that they're recognizing, and that it's an everyday kind of thing. And so they don't see it as an oppressive thing that says, you, you have to stop. So we, we just need to know that in the context of Philemon. So as we go through those struggles and we say, well, why? I think we can still pull out some, uh, some advice from Paul as he's writing Philemon. The first thing Paul does is he starts his letter with thanksgiving. Now, Paul is about to dive into some heavy stuff. He's about to dive into some struggle. And wisely, he points out, number one, how thankful he is to be uh, talking to Philemon and how thankful he is for Philemon's heart to be Christ's hands and feet. I don't know about you, but I've uh, gone into some confrontation before 
And when you go in hot, it, it usually doesn't come out well, right? If you, if you just go into that confrontation and just go in hot. But if you can start to find some common ground before you get to the point where you need to kind of say that hard thing that you need to say, it helps bring people together. And so here, that's what Paul is doing. He's, he's trying to say, hey, we're in this together, right? We're, we're here. All right. So then he goes on to talk about Onesimus. Now, Onesimus' name means useful one. So at some point in time, we know that Onesimus was in the household of Philemon, and he was a bond servant. He was a servant, right? And at, at some point over the course of their relationship, Philemon took off. He, he went on the run, and presumably as he did that, he took some stuff with him. And we don't know what that stuff is, but Paul writes that, I'll give it all back. I'll pay it back. Let's start from a clean slate. So there's this assumption that he took things with him. All right, so Paul then is seeing this relationship. And somewhere down the road, he gets to meet Onesimus in prison. And Onesimus's life is changed. Right? He becomes a, a brother of Christ in prison. He, he gets to know that identity in Christ of being a loved and forgiven child of God. And for Paul, that changes the whole story. That changes everything. And so Paul, as he is writing, wants to convey this to Philemon and say, hey, I know, I know there, there is a lot here, but I want you to accept Onesimus back as a brother. Not in the caste system of the day of being a servant, but I want you to accept him as a brother. Now, I don't know about you, but I think I could fit, fill in to Philemon's shoes just a little bit. And someone who had run away, who was valuable to me, even just a dear friend who just uh, ghosted me, right? And stole from me. There's going to be a lot of anger. There's going to be a lot of feelings that come with this. As Onesimus comes in and hands Philemon the letter, there's a lot that's happening there. And as he does that, Philemon reads this. And you know what's interesting is we don't know the ending. We don't know if he accepted him back in or anything. We have to go just on what we have. And so the hope is that Philemon wrote, read this letter and welcomed Onesimus back. And as he did that, he began a partnership. And if you're at Concordia High School, you know koinonia groups. Those are the fellowship groups that they have that go with their chapel settings. Well, here we see this idea of koinonia happening again within this text and the root of it all is koinonion, and that means that it is a coming together. They, they, they are coming together to have fellowship. And so Paul doesn't want it just to stay, oh yeah, you're going to be brothers. He wants them to be in fellowship with one another because he can see how they could encourage one another. And so this letter is very, very personable, personal, and it can be hard for us to kind of 
step into and say, what, God, what are you speaking into our lives from this? And so I, I want to just talk about three things that I think God is speaking into us as we read it. The first is, you're not alone. All right? In, in whatever struggle you're having, big or small, you're not alone. You may be struggling with trust or a relationship or addiction or lying or stealing or whatever the case may be. You're not alone in that. You have brothers and sisters around you who struggle as well. And we struggle because of our sinful nature. It's just who we are. And so life presses in and we all have struggles that we deal with. But it's kind of how we deal with those struggles that matter. And for Paul, we handle those by claiming our identity in Christ. And so as we claim that, we can see each other as brothers and sisters. People who are in the struggle together, who claim that identity, who can encourage and support one another. And so as we look at those struggles we have, we're not, we're not alone. We have people around us to help us point back to Jesus. Because at the end of the day, when we are struggling, if we can claim that forgiveness that Jesus has, we're not like a balloon that is about to pop. We are here with one another and sharing that love and forgiveness with each other. And Paul's whole concept is, refresh my heart in Christ. And as he says this, there's an understanding that he is talking about Christ crucified, Christ who gave everything for Onesimus and Philemon and for us, and so that we can be refreshed in that identity we have in him. So that we can claim him and we can look at each other, not in a caste system or uh, you and us or they and them or however, but we can look at each other and say, we are brothers and sisters in Christ working together, hands and feet, to share that love and forgiveness with the world around us. And as we do that, we have fellowship with one another that helps us stay, stay the course, helps us be encouraged, helps us be supported so that we can keep on looking back at who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And we can know each and every day that his mercies are new for us. And as we do that, we are refreshed in Christ. And we can say those words with Paul, refresh my heart in Christ. So my hope for you this week is that, uh, one, you'll pick up the other four chapters uh, in our reading plan, but that you will reread Philemon as well. And as you do that, that you'll have someone come to mind that you can support and encourage with a, a word of that identity that we have in Jesus. And that can be uh, whatever works for you. It could be a letter, or a postcard, a text, a quick call, you name it. But how can you can encourage someone this week who's around you? And then also as you read that, that you would, you would know, that you would genuinely, genuinely know that 
Jesus' forgiveness is there for your heart to be refreshed. That you are loved and that you are forgiven. And because of that, we can find refreshment. We can know that we have brothers and sisters who are in this with us and we can have fellowship with them. Amen? Amen.